The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 646 for October 28th, 2018. AT&T inches closer to launching a commercial 5G network, HTC releases the blockchain-based Exodus One, and Google is discontinuing Android nearby notifications. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Chunky Podcast application, available now for Android and iOS for $1.99. Well, first in the news this week, Qualcomm announcing the Snapdragon 675 system on a chip. This is a replacement for the 670. Qualcomm says the 675 focuses on delivering gains in gaming, AI, and camera performance. On the gaming front, Qualcomm claims the 675 handles high frame rates for smoother performance. Together with game developers, Qualcomm has optimized the 675 for the Unity, Unreal, Messiah, and Neo X gaming engines. The 675 also supports the Vulkan OpenGL 3.2, OpenCL, and Snapdragon Profiler APIs. The Snapdragon 675 relies on Qualcomm Spectra 200 ISP for image processing and video information. It enables cameras to better handle low light conditions, capture longer slow motion video, and rely on AI for scene detection and automatic adjustments. The hardware can handle up to three camera configurations, uh, such as wide, normal, and telephoto setups. Other capabilities include include, uh, portrait modes, 3D face unlock, and better selfies. Combined with Cryo CPU, Adreno GPU, and Hexagon DSP, they all work together to boost uh, the artificial intelligence operations. And Qualcomm says it shows a 50% improvement when compared to the 670 in speed and efficiency. The multi-core AI engine can learn users' voices and optimize battery life over time. Other features of the 675 include the Snapdragon X12 modem with three-channel carrier aggregation and LTE download speeds up to 600 megabits per second. The mobile platform supports Quick Charge 4 Plus as well as Qualcomm's uh, Acoustic and AptX audio technologies. The Snapdragon 675 mobile platform is available to hardware makers and is expected to com- uh, debut in consumer devices during the first quarter of 2019. Also from the chip maker, an announcement of achievements and updates in its work in developing 5G new radio technologies. First and foremost, the company revealed the second wave of the QTM 052 millimeter wave antenna modules with 5G NR specifically for smartphones and other mobile devices. Qualcomm says this new family of antennas is 25% smaller than those announced earlier this year and will help phone makers fit them into smaller form factors. The reduced size also gives phone makers more freedom in antenna placement and flexibility when designing for the 5G NR devices. The antennas are paired with Qualcomm Snapdragon X50 5G modem and can fully handle millimeter wave technologies such as beam forming, beam steering, and beam tracking. Finally, the QTM052 includes a 5G NR radio transceiver, power management IC, RF front end, and phased antenna array. It can utilize up to 800 megahertz of spectrum in various millimeter wave bands, and Qualcomm says the antenna and modem combo will appear in devices in early 2019. Now, another 5G news, Qualcomm uh, has, together with partner Ericsson, successfully completed an over-the-air call in sub-6 gigahertz bands using the 3GPP Release 15-compliant 5G NR in a smartphone phone form factor as a test device. It was completed in the Ericsson Stockholm lab using the 3.5 gigahertz spectrum. The successful test joined similar ones made using the millimeter wave 5G NR in the 28 gigahertz and 39 gigahertz bands. 
All these tests relied on Ericsson's 5G NR radio, Air 6488, and baseband products together with Qualcomm Snapdragon X50 5G modem and RF subsystem. Also, Qualcomm is announcing that it's working together with Samsung to develop 5G small cells. This will be a vital part of the way 5G networks will be deployed. 5G cells uh, will be the building blocks uh, in the goal of a network densification uh, with using these small cells within them. Uh, The companies plan to pair the Qualcomm FSM 110 nanometer 5G technology with the Samsung 5G small cell form using both the sub-6 gigahertz and millimeter wave spectrum. The combo will offer a MIMO baseband functionality with multi-gigabit throughput speeds and a compact form able to support indoor and outdoor deployments. Qualcomm and Samsung expect to begin sampling in 2020. Now, on the handset side, Qualcomm expects to see two major waves of 5G handsets throughout 2019. Speaking at the 4G 5G Summit in Hong Kong, the president of Qualcomm, Cristiano Amano, or Ama, Ama, excuse me, is based uh, his viewpoint on the initial set of launches arriving uh, with the 5G mobile networks themselves. He says U.S. carriers are expected to get their 5G mobile networks up and running during the first six months of 2019 and may launch some during the first quarter. He also believes a second wave of 5G phones, all flagships, will hit the market later in the year ahead of the holiday shopping season. OnePlus CEO Carl Pei has already joined Amon, saying that the company will have its first, uh, one of the first, if not the first, 5G phone to reach consumers' hands. He said that OnePlus has already begun conducting 5G tests with uh, Qualcomm as a partner out in San Diego. OnePlus is prepared to launch the OnePlus 6T at an event in New York uh, this coming week, and it's likely that the 6T successor will be the one that includes 5G. Earlier this year, Sprint claimed to be the first carrier to, to launch 5G with partner LG, but uh, given OnePlus's recent type with T-Mobile, it's possible that the 5G smartphone from OnePlus will operate on T-Mobile's network, though neither Sprint or T-Mobile has provided a firm 5G launch date for 2019. The FCC this week proposed two separate actions meant to free up more spectrum for wireless broadband use. The first covers the rules governing the 3.5 gigahertz band or citizens broadband radio service. The agency believes simplifying the already established 2015 rules will make the 3.5 gigahertz band more attractive for investment. Most importantly, though, the FCC wants to change the size of priority access licenses for from census tracts to counties and extend PAL license terms from three years to 10, as well as making those licenses renewable. Other prospects would ensure seven PALs are in each licensed area. Rural and tribal entities would be allotted bidding credits and would establish end-of-term performance requirements that would allow for the uh, partition and de- uh, disaggregation of the PALs. The FCC's Republican commissioners all believe this will boost carrier interest in the band. As proposed, uh, the size of the PALs is a compromise. They say smaller wireless providers wish to keep the PALs at the tracked level, which larger providers hope to see them become much larger. The agency's lone Democrat says the rules are a step backward uh, and dissented in the vote, which passed three to one. Separately, the agency unanimously agreed on a proposal to open up the six gigahertz band to unlicensed access. The agency wants to free up 1,200 megahertz for used 
uh, for use by unlicensed Wi-Fi devices in the 6 gigahertz band, which technically falls between the 5.925 gigahertz and 7.125 gigahertz range. Uh, The band is mostly used by license holders for microwaves and point-to-point communications and the broadcast auxiliary service and cable television relay service. Any unlicensed devices used in the band could not interfere with those existing licensed services. A handful of other rules would regulate indoor versus outdoor use of the 6 gigahertz band. The FCC is accepting comments on the proposed changes. And California late this week said it has not agreed to enforce or has agreed not to enforce its own net neutrality laws until a final decision is reached concerning the FCC's scrapping of the Obama era regulations. The FCC had uh, criticized California's regulators uh, and these regulations, calling them illegal. California will now put its rules on hold until the case against the FCC is decided. Given the complexity of the case, uh, it may take longer than a year to resolve. Right, because this was, uh, you know, they were they, they were sued, uh, and this is uh, pending the the lawsuit and pending the the appeal process or in the the uh, for the, for for the trial itself. So that's why they're not going to enforce it. Yeah, it's uh, it kind of just a, a a period of time here that we have to wait and see if anything else, I guess, happens with uh, what what they've decided to do, um, or what they've said they would like to do, and uh, if anything else uh, happens with this. Obviously, we'd love to see some federal uh you know pieces of this come together because it's uh, very confusing when it's on a state-by-state basis however that seems unlikely at this point at least as long as this current fcc is uh, in place in uh, carrier news at&t friday said it recently browsed the web using standards compliant with mobile 5g and r millimeter wave gear the real world test took place in waco texas included ericsson networking equipment with at&t's forthcoming netgear nighthawk 5g mobile hotspot company conducted the 5G hotspot or connected the hotspot via millimeter wave to its network and browsed the web on what will eventually be a commercially available device. The Nighthawk relies on the Qualcomm Snapdragon X50 5G modem as and will be uh, as AT&T's first 5G product. AT&T reiterated that it is on target to launch mobile 5G in 12 markets this year with 19 more to follow in early 2019. AT&T partnering with Lookout to create the AT&T mobile security application, bringing to iOS devices for the first time. The application has previously been only available to Android and AT&T mobile security is available in both free and paid versions. So mobile security basic only reminds people to update their devices to the latest operating system and to set a passcode to protect their phone. Mobile security plus adds several more features and requires a $4 per month subscription. So for example, mobile security plus includes a tool called secure Wi-Fi VPN. It'll automatically scan public Wi-Fi networks before a subscriber connects and then determine whether or not the network is secure. If it isn't, the VPN kicks in automatically, encrypting the connection between the device uh, and the access point that the user is connected to. Mobile Security Plus also includes breach reports. These will alert subscribers when companies, apps, or services they follow suffer a security breach that could leave their personal information exposed. The breach report offers subscribers advice on how to best protect themselves on the type of the breach. Uh, consumers who want more can bundle AT&T Mobile Security and AT&T Call Protect, which offers spam warnings, manual call blocking, and automatic fraud blocking. AT&T Mobile Security Basic and Security Plus are available from the iTunes app. App Store and Google Play Store for their respective devices. In other news, uh, Apple CEO Tim Cook said new national privacy laws are needed to govern how personal data is collected and used by big companies. The remarks were made to attendees at a privacy conference in Brussels where Cook said, 
Our own information from the everyday to the deeply personal is being weaponized against us with military efficiency. The scraps of data, each one harmless enough on its own, are often assembled, synthesized, traded, and sold. He said, taken to the extreme, this process creates an enduring digital profile that lets companies know you better than you may know yourself. The profile is a bunch of algorithms that serve up increasingly extreme content, pounding our harmless preferences into into harm. Platforms and algorithms that promise to improve our lives can actually magnify our worst human tendencies. Rogue actors and even governments have taken advantage of user trust to deepen divisions, incite violence, and even undermine our shared sense of what is true and what is false. The crisis is real. It is not imagined or exaggerated or crazy. We shouldn't sugarcoat the consequences. This is surveillance. So Cook's audience for these remarks was mostly European and mostly officials. They were attending uh, the uh, this conference out in Brussels, um, and uh, he also applauded the European Union for its recent success in the implementation of the GDPR privacy laws. And I think he is right. I mean, it's it's kind of conspiracy theory, but it really isn't because you you don't get to see any of this stuff. But it really is very intrusive, and it's very detailed, and it does collect so much about you in in very illicit ways, and it's all sold. Uh, behind the scenes. You don't know what's going on. You don't know what's being put together. And it can really uh, affect you because when people have this information, they can easily break into your accounts if uh, if the stuff gets uh, into the wrong hands. They can you know impersonate you quickly. They can do all kinds of really bad things. But it's also just nobody's business, really. And that's the, the real big problem. But it, it, it isn't because that's what the deal is, is now everything's ad-based, so they want to sell these ads to you as much as possible, and it's just, uh, it, 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 it's, it's very spooky, it really is. Yeah, the, the, the ad selling, uh, you know, and just kind of general profile building to serve you up uh, pieces of information, uh, whether it's, you know, ads to make you buy things or stories, you know, that uh, will put together, you know, news feeds or news sources uh, that are based on your preferences is is all done through an algorithm. And it's it's very uh, concerning um, if you are looking at something with thinking that it's an unpartial, unbiased uh, presentation of uh, a portion of the web or a portion of whatever it is that you're looking for. And when this information is used in these manners, it changes that and it changes how things are put together. And uh, to the point they can be used to to warp uh, what's, you know, this, uh, you know, the world that is, you know, you are viewing on uh, from a digital perspective. So it hap- it's it's both sides of this. It's it's bad from a it, it can cause these, you know, issues with breaches. And it also is, a, you know, kind of, again, warping the way that we're seeing and viewing our information. Right. Because, it, the, yes, you're, you're absolutely right. Like Apple News, for example, if you look at it, you know, I looked up a couple of stories about dogs, but now now there's like huge dog sections all over the thing. And I'm like, OK, it really picks up, you know, picks up on like kind of what you like. And then it just feeds all that to you because that's what you tapped on. So let me feed you a bunch of dog related stories. And it's self-fulfilling and it's not. It, it, it's definitely biased by far because that's what they want you to tap on things to to open. Uh, however, going back to kind of the more scary things about being surveillance, it's not just for ad networks and, and, you know, at this time, yes, that's primary, but in the future, this data doesn't go away either. So it can then be used by 
you know, maybe governments in the future? What if, you know, laws change and all of a sudden it becomes illegal to talk about cell phones? And well, they now know you're really into cell phones. So they've got your whole profile, Mickey, and they can come back to you and they throw you in jail because now it's illegal to talk about it. I mean, and that's, that's where it becomes really scary when they really know that every little detail of everything you've ever done is basically being kept track of. Right. The, uh, well, first of all, I deny any knowledge of cell phones. I know nothing about them. Um, <laughs> anyway, but the, the, uh, this kind of idea that you're, uh, your information is out there really, you know, permanently, or at least in, in perpetuity, um, is an, a whole nother topic of conversation that, um, I think is lost on a lot of people as they're doing things uh, online, sharing information online, um, you know, and putting stuff out there, um, you know, that this is, it's not just, you know, being shared, uh, with, you know, one person or a couple of friends. I mean, it's, it's going out there onto a network that you don't own, you don't control, uh, you know, you are by, you know, entering or accepting their terms and conditions, you are saying that you're okay with what they're doing. And again, uh, it's a whole nother story, but it, it still, it brings up a, a very good point, which is we have to be, you know, very careful ab about how our information is being used. Uh, and it, it, it's, you know, it, this is very, um, uh, kind of shocking and dramatic the way that Cook is being presenting it, but it's not necessarily uh, incorrect either. So, um, you know, just a, an interesting, uh, you know, comment. And I, I just thought the, the way that it was put was, was quite interesting. Um, so it's uh, something just, of course, keep in mind. Moving on to device news. Uh, the iPhone XR went on sale Friday and Apple has revealed what it will cost to repair the device should it break. A broken screen due to accidental mishandling or if the screen breaks on its own uh, and the device isn't covered by Apple Care, will cost you $200 to repair it. Other breakages for the 10R, uh, such as a cracked rear panel, will cost uh, $399, so double the cost to repair. Uh, these same repairs cost $279 and $549 for the iPhone XS and $329 and $599 for the XS Max. Owners uh, who opt for Apple Care will see far lower repair costs. Uh, charge, uh, uh, Apple gets um, uh, $199 uh, for Apple Care for any of these devices, uh, which drops the deductible down to $29 uh, for screen repairs and $99 for all other repairs. So that back panel falls into the all other repairs. But uh, for you know $200 up front and for $100 deductible. Um, it only you have to do it once for basically to have it pay for itself. Uh, and uh, certainly it'll save you money if you have more than one break. So depending on what you're doing with your uh, uh, with your device, how you're protecting your device, it may absolutely uh, be worthwhile. And uh, also just to note, you can break it down into monthly payments if you need to break up that two hundred dollars to uh, make sure you have that Apple Care protection. In Android news, HTC made the Exodus One a secure phone based on blockchain available for pre-order from its website. HTC announced the device earlier this year, but details about the hardware were few. It's now revealed the full specs of the device, which include a 6-inch Quad HD Plus display with a 2 by one aspect ratio and a Qualcomm Snapdragon 845 processor with 6 gigs of RAM and 128 gigs of storage. A handful of standard HTC features are included, such as Boom Sound Hi-Fi speakers, Edge Sense 2 for better one-handed operation, and USonic Active Noise Cancellation headphones. 
The Exodus 1 has four cameras on the back, a 16 and 12 megapixel arrangement with one standard and one telephoto lens. On the front, the Exodus 1 includes a twin 8 megapixel camera setup for portrait and bokeh photos. It also captures 4K video with HTC's sonic zoom and audio boost sound. The Exodus 1 uh, features CAT18 LTE and 5-channel carrier aggregation with 4x4 MIMO. Supported LTE bands include 1, 2, 3, 4, 7, 12, 13, 17, 20, 28, 32, 38, 39, 40, 41, and 66. The phone has a 3,500 milliamp hour battery with rapid charging, IP68 uh, for resistance against dust and water, and runs Android 8 Oreo. Exodus works with multiple protocols with the intent of interoperability between blockchains. Each phone will serve as a node to help with decentralization. So, for example, HTC claims it can double or triple the number of nodes of uh, DFINITY, uh, Ethereum, and Bitcoin. Uh, The goal is to provide a way to facilitate cryptocurrency trading. The phone features a secure enclave, provides a trusted hardware stack with APIs that connect to wallets, and provides owners with their own identity and data stored on the phone rather than in the cloud. HTC anticipates the phone will ship in December to 34 countries. That includes the U.S. and much of Europe. Pre-orders include Bitcoin at 0.15 Bitcoins, or uh, 4.78 ETH, with, which is uh, Ethereum, uh, that is about $960 if you were to break it down into actual U.S. dollars. And it's kind of interesting they're, you know, basically basing the phone on blockchain, which is a you know, kind of an encryption standard that's decentralized that allows basically every, you know, every instance of the blockchain stores every transaction that's kind of made. So it's like everybody has the data there. It, it is encrypted, but it's all part of the, uh, you know, part of it. So there's not a single server running this. And that's what's real fascinating about all of these uh, technologies. It's, you know, it's somewhat like BitTorrent because it's not centralized. Uh, they're still using trackers with BitTorrents, but the data itself is not uh, being centrally d- uh, distributed. So it's kind of that kind of that next step in, in technology where it's a distributed uh, technology, and it is really fascinating. It's fascinating, and it's also you know it's it's in- incredibly um, confusing if you you know if you're not somebody who's using it um, and trying to explain somebody to somebody how this works is is crazy to think about. Now we're we're I mean it's been one thing when it was just computers, and now we're adding in a phone into this mix. So you know you're literally just walking around with your phone connected, you know, and and as a node for this network and providing this information. Uh, it's just it's incredibly fascinating to. Uh, to your point. Well, Verizon on Friday has shared launch details concerning the new Palm Companion device. Verizon says the device will be available online and in stores starting uh, Friday, November 2nd. Several fina- financing options are available. It can be paid off over 24 months for $15 per month. Alternatively, customers who sign a two year agreement can pay $299 for the Palm or buy it outright and contract free for $349. So that's interesting, the, the uh, two-year contract returns there. Uh, the Palm Companion device requires a $10 per month Verizon number share plan that is anchored to a standard smartphone service plan. Motorola Solutions on Tuesday announced the talk about T800 walkie-talkies and accompanying mobile application. This is very interesting. So the concept is to let outdoor adventurers keep in touch, sharing precise location data, all without cellular networks. So in order to use the T800s to their fullest extent, owners need to install the Talk About mobile app on their iPhone or Android device, and then connect their phone to the T800 via Bluetooth. 
The TalkAbout app then uses the T-800 as a modem for sending messages and location information over the radio. Users can send uh, current locations, designate meeting spots, and alert others when leaving specific locations. The message function handles single and group messaging, and messages can be sent silently for safety purposes. The location features do require some planning as users will need to download the maps ahead of time through the TalkAbout application. They can then be saved in various formats, though, and shared with others easily. Moreover, the app can be used to control hardware features on the T-800, such as selecting channels, setting tones, adjusting weather alerts, and such. Motorola Solutions claims the devices have a lot of power. A push-to-talk power boost option can also be turned on to extend the radio's range by increasing transmitter output uh, while also conserving, conserving battery life. Motorola says it creates reliable two-way communications with, get this, a range of 35 miles of data and messaging. Wow. Uh, and uh, with, that's the talk range and data and messaging range of 20 miles. That, of course, based uh, on terrain and different conditions. But the radios themselves are rugged, rated for IPX4 for protection against splashing and rain. The T-800s include access to the seven NOAA weather channels and four VHF channels in order to get constant up-to-date weather reports. Motorola included an emergency alert feature that sounds a siren or spoken incidental sounds to seek assistance or warn of danger. Uh, these are also controlled by the Talk About application. Finally, it's got an LED flashlight for nighttime use, and uh, they ship with uh, rechargeable batteries, uh, USB-based chargers, and also an assortment of clips and stickers. Now, I, 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 will, I will save the price on this because um, I, I find this to be an incredible... Uh, you know, kind of mix uh, of of information here, um, or excuse me, of, of ways of, of communication here, uh, where you've got a, you know, kind of this new standard in phones connecting up with this older, uh, you know, way, this two-way radio kind of, you know, standard and mixing them together and, and using the, the two-way radio as the modem itself. And basically you can go out in the wilderness with friends or family or whomever and, and be able to, to connect up and do this. And it, it seems like this would be an, just an incredibly expensive thing to do. But you can get two of these things for $110, which is unbelievable. This, this is like very high-tech stuff and that using a low-tech type of technology. And I, I just I find it incredible. And um, I, I've, got a, I've got no actual use for this other than just I, I want to have these just to have them because I, I find this it's cool as heck. Super cool. It is. Uh, it, of course, in, in some regards, I'm like, well, why should you have to use your iPhone or Android device to interface with this thing? That's just like one step extra. Why just not have the display on the thing and do the texting that way? But I get it because then it keeps the cost down because basically these devices are just radios with some, you know, with a translator and a, a radio in there and a, and a, you know, Bluetooth controller. So you don't, there's no display, there's no keyboard, there's nothing to program. It's just part of the device. So I, I see why that's why, how you can have it for that kind of price, because otherwise it would be, you know, four or five times that price to, to do that. So I wonder, um, I, I want to look at more of the, the technical details because I'm, I'm curious which band they're using because they're not using the standard FRS to get 35 miles of range because that's definitely not uh, the power output uh, allowed in that uh, frequency. So I'm, I'm curious what uh, frequency range they're using. Yeah, the other question I had was how the, uh, you know, the messages are sent to each other, presumably through uh, the specific application. You've got to send you know, the messages within the app, which is fine. But the question is, is how are they, the, the, the data that's going back and forth is not traditional data. It's just data between these two devices, clearly. Right. You're not getting out of yep. the network. But then how are you also getting the notifications of the messages? Do you have to open up the app 
to see the message because presumably you don't yes. you, you don't have you know any sort of connection so you're not getting a standard push notification to do this at least on iPhone Android you I think I think they don't use centralized uh, push servers for notifications like Apple does yeah so the the other thing that I, I just thought of is uh, this it could be just a like a Bluetooth ping uh, like you like so the device because the device itself is connected over Bluetooth so if someone is is uh, sending a message uh, the radio itself might just ping the phone uh, and, and and play the tone uh, on the device itself so this is very similar to like when you have a tile device for your keys uh, and you push the button on the tile it sends the the message over Bluetooth and it, it's making the app beep at you over bluetooth and it has nothing to do with it so it's got to be what it is yeah. so you're getting a notification that way so um but uh, yeah you're right it's it's certainly not frs uh it does mention that it's got four vhf channels so my guess is that's what it is and that makes a lot of sense when you're talking about long distances over terrain um vhf is just a really good band for that kind of stuff so uh that makes a lot of sense but how you know it's unlicensed effectively i mean you're not talking about amateur radio licensing here to every single one of these not especially enough for 110 dollars uh, so, um, just, just fascinating, cool as heck. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'd be thinking about the T 800s if I'm ever, uh, going out about, it. I mean, this could even be something as, uh, you know, as simple as like, you want to text with someone on a plane in a different row or something like that. Right. I mean, you could just use these things. I mean, anywhere you don't, they, you could do on the international space station. If you're in one room and someone's in the other, you could use these to text to each other. Uh, yeah. Or maybe you're on a hike, however, however you'd like to set it up. Mm -hmm. But um, anyway, uh, I just, this is, this is the kind of stuff that like I, if the 20 year old, you know, 20 year ago, me would have known that this is how like the technology of two way radios was going to mash up with phones. I, it would have just, my mind would have been absolutely blown like that. This would have been even a possibility at some point in the future. But anyway, very cool stuff. Uh, moving on, Anchor on Thursday announced a new solution for charging battery-powered devices. It's uh, replacing silicon in the charging block with gallium nitride. Silicon components are larger and heavier than gallium nitride and waste power due to heat emission. Switching to gallium nitride allows Anchor to reduce the size of the charger while keeping the power delivery at a high wattage. The first product they're making is called the PowerPort Atom PD-1. It's uh, just larger than the standard 5-watt charger, and it delivers a 27-watt uh, output via USB-C. Anchor claims this is enough to charge most phones and tablets as well as some gaming devices and even laptops. And the PD-1 goes on sale in November for $30. They also intend to deliver a 60-watt and 100-watt version of these PD-1s with multiple ports in the months ahead. In software news, Apple Monday made iOS 12.1 Beta 5 and WatchOS 5.1 Beta 5 available to developers. It also updated the public betas on Tuesday. The new betas further tweak code and clean up bugs. The biggest additions uh, are to both of these will be support for more emoji with 70 new uh, characters based on Unicode 11. Apple hasn't said when the release of the iOS 12.1 and WatchOS 5.1 will be made available to the public. However, with the release of the iPhone XR on Friday... Uh, and the upcoming media event that's planned in New York this week, uh, which will be on Tuesday the 30th, it's possible that we'll actually see it here uh, either this week or maybe even next. Right. So we're supposed to see the uh, multi-SIM support uh, for the iPhones coming with this update and a few other things, too, that we're, we're, we don't have. Hopefully the watchOS 5.1 includes the, um, uh, the, the ECG support 
uh, that they have left out of the, the shipping version of the 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 Watch Four. So that, that we hope that comes in. It's not in the betas, but that's not necessarily meaning it won't be coming to the five point one. But that's uh, the the few things we've got coming. So hopefully they announce some uh, the availability this week. As I hope they announce it at the Apple event. I'm trying to. I'm still trying to wrap my head around this dual SIM support and um, you know the, the usability of it or lack of usability of it for all of us. I'll just say normal people who are not shelling out a thousand dollars to buy the phone up front and are either financing it through Apple uh, or financing it through a carrier. Uh, I guess presumably you buy it through Apple. It comes unlocked, uh, but you still have to finance it. Who knows? It just it seems rather odd that we're at a point still where even even though I get it, it's financed. You don't want somebody to take the phone and run with it. Um, but it's still it's easy to lock these things down if they get stolen and uh, or lost. And so I don't understand why we can't come up with a, a a better solution for this and allow for SIM cards from other carriers to work. Um, we talked about it on the show when right after the phone was announced, and uh, you know someone and I don't remember who it was um, wrote in about using a dual SIM phone on you know having one sim from one domestic carrier one from another and when you just you know happen to be in an area where you don't have service on the other you can flip over it and use the other carrier that's incredible uh it's it's a it's a really great uh you know option and to not have that ability it um it kind of renders this a little bit useless um you know i i don't I don't see a real benefit to having two SIMs um, from the same carrier other than no. if you've got, you know, a, a work line and a business line, but uh, I mean, a, a personal line. But if you're in a situation like that, you know, just get a virtual number. You don't need to have, uh, you know, a separate SIM card to do that. I mean, that's that's just not the, um, you know, that's not what you should be having to do. So I, I, I don't know if the, it doesn't seem like we're going to get this thing resolved. Um, and I don't see any of the carriers just openly saying, yeah, we'll unlock your device to use with, especially a competing, uh, carrier SIM. But I really would like it if that were the case. Uh, and, and I get it. Like there, there's a lot of things to deal with, but I don't know. I, I it, I'm, I'm going to be just in, incredibly frustrated until it gets resolved. And, uh, I don't have an interest in paying off the the phone just to make that happen. So um, I guess I'll just be kind of stuck in that world. I, I wonder too if the eSIM activation uh, will come with 12.1 as well. If dual SIM support, it presumably will uh, as well because uh, otherwise it, you wouldn't have the ability to use two SIMs, I guess, right? So uh, moving on, um, also with the release, Apple plans to adjust in its software to appease uh, complaints that pictures captured with the user-facing camera produce images with skin that is overly smooth. The result is lost detail and an unnatural look. Apple's explained that its smart HDR tool on the new phones is selecting the wrong frame when processing HDR selfies. Smart HDR works by taking a number of exposures and then merging elements of them together into a single frame. The software is sometimes choosing the frame with a longer exposure, that is, uh, as the base image, which results in a small amount of blur and smoothness in the end result. Moving forward, Apple will update the software uh, to base its smart HDR photos on frames taken with a shorter shutter speed, which generally produces cleaner, sharper results with more detail. The end should look uh, should be product should be selfies that look less doctored. Now, it's so interesting that this is a, an actual complaint. It to me, it was like I saw some of the pictures that came out of it. And I'm like, that kind of looks like a feature, you know? For it, it, it is. There are definitely. It's not so much here in the U.S., but I, I guess Asian cultures they really love the beautify filters that you can uh, put on your camera apps and. 
basically it makes it look like you've got amazing makeup on is really how it does. It smooths your skin out and it looks amazing. Yeah. And, and, and it kind of is a feature, but it's not intended to be there. So uh, that's why it is kind of an issue. It's like it, it, it they're definitely overdone and it, it seems to be a bug in the, in the process. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe at some point we'll actually have a, a, a filter, if you will, uh, a beautify filter or something like that, that will, uh, you know, that will do this. Cause I, I, I read this and then I took a picture and I went, Oh, I see that. And I'm like, I actually kind of look better <laughs> with this picture. I don't really take selfies, but it looked better than I think I, I do just when I look normally. At yes. Normally. And I yeah. agree. I agree with you there, Mickey. I'm sure probably a lot of people will be sad to hey, see this uh, thing go, what but are you uh, agreeing but- with here. Hey, that, that we're, hey, <laughs> hey, hey now. Anyway, yes, you're right. I, I, I think you're, you will have people that will say, you know, well, I, this was working, this was actually working out just fine. But anyway, moving on, Google said Tuesday it plans to resolve a bug plaguing its Pixel phones and seeing photos vanishing immediately after that they were taken. The issue occurs on more, most frequently on the newer Pixel 3 phones, though it has appeared across the a wide range uh, of all Pixel phones, uh, old and new. When using the camera, snapping a photo will show it in the review screen for a second or two, and then it will simply vanish from the photo gallery. Uh, Android said, Google says they'll be rolling out a software update to address this rare case of the photo not properly saving. Google on Thursday also said it will discontinue support for nearby notifications on Android devices. Uh, this can also be read as Bluetooth push notification spam. So the notifications were launched in 2015 as a way for people to discover nearby applications, content, and services based on their location. Businesses could also then use Bluetooth-based Eddystone and or physical web beacons to send an alert to nearby users. The alerts were meant to help people find relevant information for things in an area such as transit schedules, free Wi-Fi details, or guidance in museums. Google says, however, of course this happened, that the system has deteriorated such that it is used to deliver spam notifications that aren't locally relevant. This in turn led to a poor user experience. And Google says we have a very high bar for the quality of content that we deliver to users, especially content that is delivered through notifications. Uh, Ultimately, we have determined these notifications do not meet that bar. So they will subsequently discontinue the nearby notifications on December 6th, 2018. Developers will continue to have access to their beacon dashboard and can push location-based notifications through their own apps. This has been, for those of you using an iOS device, something we've not had to deal with because you only get push notifications for applications that you have. If you're on Android, you could get these push uh, notifications sent to you uh, because the the for the of the abilities of uh, Android and the uh, the way that it worked, so um, it is uh, being discontinued, which I think is a great move, and uh, we'll get rid of uh, this Bluetooth push notification spam. Uh, Google created another way to keep people up to date with retailers, restaurants, and shops this week. Using Google Maps for Android, people can search for their favorite places, such as coffee shops or record stores, and then tap the new follow button. News from that follow place will appear under the For You tab within Maps. Places can advertise sales, offers, and events in the space where followers can check for updates at any time. Uh, it's also nice because they will make it possible to keep tabs on places that haven't even opened yet. Businesses getting ready to open a new location can add a profile to Maps as much as three months in advance. People can then follow the profile, and as soon as it becomes available, they'll be kept up to date on the launch details. Google says these features are rolling out over the next few months. Uh, one comment this week, and it comes to us from Kyle. He says, Mickey and Joey, uh, I recently ported from AT&T to T-Mobile, and I wanted to share two things for listeners that I found helpful when evaluating the switch. 
Number one, you can view T-Mobile's 600 megahertz coverage from their coverage maps, but you must toggle the view on as it won't show by default. To do this from the coverage map, you go to the legend and click on see how coverage can improve with extended range LTE 600 megahertz. When you drop a pin on the map, you'll typically see a device compatibility message at the bottom of the pop-up. And if you hover over it, it'll typically have the URL that references the frequency, either 700, 1900, etc. In 600 megahertz coverage areas, the frequency is not referenced, but you will see refer you to a general page uh, that uh, also helped me to confirm 600 megahertz coverage in some of the areas that I frequent. It's number two, to test out the service without disrupting my active then AT&T account, I purchased the T-Mobile Tourist SIM and used that SIM in my phone to evaluate the service. For $30, you get 21 days of service, 1,000 minutes, unlimited texting, and 2 gigs of data. The best part is that the speed tests do not count against the 2 gig limit, so that allowed me to do a lot of testing. So far, the T-Mobile experience has been superb, and the coverage has significantly improved since I last used them. I left AT&T due to widely inconsistent data speeds and ever-increasing administrative fees being tacked onto my bill anyway i hope some folks find this helpful thanks for all you do to keep the show going kyle well yeah this is um, a great way to you know kind of recommendation here first off on a way to test out the service i, I guess i didn't realize uh, maybe we had talked about it in the past but i hadn't thought about this recently this tourist sim for three weeks of service with a, a pretty good amount of uh, both the data and also having these minutes here uh, it's a pretty good deal to uh, to be able to test out a service and i've never even heard of a tourist sim that has that kind of service on it uh, i mean i know we've kind of talked about some prepaid service, but I didn't even know T-Mobile had one of those available. Yeah, I didn't either. And uh, for what it's worth, it's uh, you know not for tw- you know two gigs of data. Uh, generally, you'd probably spend ten bucks with your carrier, but um, this gives you a whole new line plus those minutes. Uh, it, it's it's pretty neat, uh, pretty nice. It's a great deal. Yeah, nice to be able to have that. Um, you know, and, and as far as the 600 megahertz T-Mobile service, um, you know, I have not looked this up uh, previously to see, you know, how it worked. But I do know their website is is quite robust um, and it uses a lot of root metrics information from uh, actual speed tests as well that are taken. And so it provides, you know, kind of this color coded map with little hexagons all over it that cover, you know, seemingly at uh, 100 yards or maybe even a little bit less than 100 yards. And so it gives you um, very granular amounts of detail on, on how service works. And it um, it actually, if someone has done speed tests in that area, it will pop up and it'll show you the speeds that they received in that area. So uh, it was like average user t- speed test speeds or something like that. So uh, I'm probably single-handedly responsible of half of all of those little quadrants in the Washington, D.C. area from the number of speed tests that I do for them. That's right. Well, hey, come on. Verizon's map, it's just all red. It's just the, the picture of the U.S. and the whole thing is red. So they've got the best coverage, Mickey. Come on. It, wor- it works everywhere. Everywhere. With no problems. Absolutely. Uh, well, anyway, thanks very much, Kyle. Uh, very informative, and I appreciate uh, you taking the time to write that in. If you have any questions or comments for us, we'd love to hear from you. Send us an email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com or give us a call 650-999-0524, and we'll get whatever you have to say on a future show. Joey, thank you very much, as always, for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.